You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. And now, the Rowan Radio News Team. Good morning and welcome to the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Allie Bruce with the Rowan Radio News Team. Some of this week's headlines include more than 700 illegal immigrants have died at the border, Queen Elizabeth II passes on Thursday, and Steve Bannon is being indicted on fraud charges. Here's your national news recap for the week of September 4th. More than 700 illegal immigrants have died along the southern border this year, according to the Department of Homeland Security. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton blames the White House and their immigration policies, which he says are encouraging people to risk their lives, saying, the Biden administration, they don't seem to care about the number of deaths. Vice President Harris announced a task force in June aimed at addressing human smuggling and trafficking operations. However, she has not visited the border in over a year. Most Americans want a maximum age limit for elected officials. That's according to a new poll from CBS News and YouGov. Over 70% of those polled said there should be an upper age restriction that would force lawmakers to leave office. Only 27% said they didn't agree with the idea. 70 receives the most votes for what the appropriate cutoff age would be. President Biden is calling MAGA Republicans a threat to democracy. Senator John Cornyn of Texas says that's out of line. He said, I don't think we should be calling our fellow Americans the enemy. We're all in this together. He believes Democrats are running scared and the president's rhetoric is a move to energize his base ahead of the midterm elections. The White House says the president was referring to lawmakers with extreme agendas who don't condemn election violence. The Texas abortion law doesn't have an exception for rape, but Governor Greg Abbott says that doesn't mean victims will be forced to give birth. He said, the state provides Plan B at no cost to any person who is a victim of rape. Pro-choice groups say for the lowest income people in Texas, emergency contraception isn't widely accessible. Federally funded reproductive health clinics don't operate in every community in the state. President Biden was in central Ohio Friday. Biden attended the groundbreaking of Intel's new $20 billion semiconductor facilities in New Albany. Intel says the total investment could end up topping $100 billion over the next decade with additional facilities. Biden attended the ceremony after signing the $52 billion CHIPS Act last month to support the manufacturing of semiconductors in the U.S. The mayor of Washington, D.C. is declaring a public emergency over the illegal immigrants being bused from Texas. Mayor Muriel Bowser says the city is creating a migrant services office to streamline help. About 8,000 illegal migrants have been dropped off by the state of Texas over a span of about five months. The mayor expects hundreds of more buses to arrive this fall. An elected official in Clark County, Nevada, is behind bars on suspicion of murdering Las Vegas Review-Journal reporter Jeff Gurman. 
A colleague says the award-winning reporter never mentioned any concerns for his safety. Clark County Public Administrator Robert Tellez was arrested Wednesday shortly after police searched his home. Officials say DNA links Tellez with the crime scene. He also had several self-inflicted wounds when he was arrested. Tellus was due in court Thursday. German was found stabbed to death outside his home last Saturday, but it's believed he was killed the day before. Tellus was the subject of some recent investigative stories written by German. Democrats are working on an interim spending bill to fund the government. However, Congressman Harry Hewler of Texas says it's filled with special projects. The plan to codify same-sex marriage rights has been tried and failed in Congress. Attaching it to a must-pass spending bill ramps up the political pressure. Republicans, including Senator John Cornyn of Texas, say they want a clean spending bill with no attachments. Reports say police in Memphis have arrested the suspect who went on a shooting spree Wednesday. There are four different crime scene locations after the suspect, 19-year-old Ezekiel Kelly, started randomly shooting at people and apparently live-streaming it on Facebook. It's not clear how many victims were hurt. Four-time Iditarod champion Lance McKay has died. His death was confirmed by family in posts over social media. The race legend was diagnosed with throat cancer in 2001 but recovered after surgery and radiation therapy but would suffer a second bout with cancer in August of 2021. In addition to four consecutive wins in the Iditarod, Mackey won four consecutive Yukon Quest races from 2005 to 2008. He was 52 years old. California's Department of Water Resources is shelling out big bucks to back desalination projects in the state. The agency announced it's offering $6 million to go towards those efforts, which will help develop new sources of local water supplies. Not only has California been through some hotter-than-normal temperatures lately, but the state is also currently in an extreme drought. Desalination is the process of filtering salted water or seawater, in order for it to be used for things like irrigation and consumption. I'm Allie Bruce, and that was your national news. This is Connor Brown with the International News Report. All stories coming from the BBC this week. Queen Elizabeth II, the UK's longest-serving monarch, has died at Balmoral, aged 96, after reigning for 70 years. She died peacefully on Thursday afternoon at her Scottish estate, where she spent much of the summer. The Queen came to the throne in 1952 and witnessed enormous social change. Her son, King Charles III, said the death of his beloved mother was a moment of great sadness for him and his family, and that her loss would be deeply felt around the world. He said, We mourn profoundly the passing of a cherished sovereign and a much-loved mother. I know her loss will be deeply felt throughout the country, the realms, and the commonwealth, and by countless people around the world. During the coming period of mourning, he said he and his family would be comforted and sustained by our knowledge of the respect and deep affection in which the queen was so widely held. The king and his wife, Camilla, now queen consort, will return to London on Friday, Buckingham Palace said. Senior royals had gathered at Balmoral after the queen's doctors became concerned about her health earlier in the day. All the queen's children traveled to Balmoral near Aberdeen after doctors placed the queen under medical supervision. Her grandson and now heir to the throne, Prince William, and his brother, Prince Harry, also gathered there. Prime Minister Liz Truss, who was appointed by the Queen on Tuesday, 
said the monarch was the rock on which modern Britain was built, who had provided us with the stability and strength that we needed. Speaking about the new king, she said, We offer him our loyalty and devotion, just as his mother devoted so much to so many for so long. Queen Elizabeth's tenure as head of state spanned post-war atrocity, the transition from empire to commonwealth, the end of the Cold War, and the UK's entry into and the withdrawal from the European Union. Her reign spanned 15 prime ministers, starting with Winston Churchill, born in 1874, and including Ms. Truss, born 101 years later in 1975. The Queen was born Elizabeth Alexandra Mary Windsor in Mayfair, London on April 21st, 1926, and she passes away September 8th, 2022. And for our second story of the day, the U.S. has approved nearly $2.7 billion in new aid for Ukraine and allies, including $675 million in weapons for Ukraine as it battles Russia. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin announced the arms package at a meeting with dozens of fellow ministers at the U.S. Air Base in Rammstein, Germany. The aid includes howitzers, munitions, Humvee vehicles, armored ambulances, and anti-tank systems. The U.S. has already pledged about $13 billion in military aid for Ukraine. The Biden administration said on Thursday it had earmarked $2 billion in long-term assistance in the form of investments to bolster the security of Ukraine and 18 of its neighbors, including both NATO members and non-members at risk of future Russian aggression. It said it would notify Congress of the aid plan. U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken arrived in the Ukrainian capital, Kyiv, as his colleague urged Ukraine's allies to commit to supporting the country for as long as necessary and be prepared to adapt the type of support offered. In Kyiv, Mr. Blinken said the aid will be delivered at a pivotal moment during the war with Ukrainian operations against Russian forces proving effective. He also vowed that the U.S. and its allies would continue to exert that pressure until the aggression ceases and Ukraine is fully sovereign and independent. And for our final story of the day, Australia's parliament has passed legislation enshrining a pledge to slash carbon emissions by 43% by 2030 and to net zero by 2050. The country is one of the world's biggest emitters per capita, and the target brings it more in line with other developed countries. But critics say government plans to reach the target are lacking detail. Some have been demanding a higher goal as well as a ban on new fossil fuel projects in the country. But Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has lauded the new law, the Climate Change Bill, as an end to a decade of climate policy inaction. It marks the first significant action against climate change since the party took power in May. The Labour government's climate bill cleared the Senate by 37 votes to 30 after accepting minor amendments by independent David Pocock. Climate change minister Chris Bowen told Parliament today is a good day for our Parliament and our country, and we're going to need many more of them, The Guardian reported. And that was Connor Brown with your international news report. This is the local news, and I am Carly Murray. Ex-Trump advisor Steve Bannon is being indicted for allegedly defrauding those who donated to his We Build the Wall campaign. Authorities say We Build the Wall raised more than $15 million on the public promise that no one would make money from donations. They allege Bannon used another nonprofit corporation to transfer money to the president of We Build the Wall. 
He allegedly obscured the payments totaling more than $250,000 through another nonprofit organization. Bannon is charged with money laundering, conspiracy, and fraud. Governor Kathy Hochul is signing a bill which establishes maximum class sizes in New York. It says in grades kindergarten through third grade, no more than 20 students, grades 4 through 8, no more than 23 students, and grades 9 through 12, no more than 25 students. It will be phased in over five years and will start next year. Mayor Adams has opposed the bill. The NYPD off-duty officer who was attacked while going for a run in the Bronx was released from the hospital. 48-year-old police officer Muhammad Chaudhry, who suffered a fractured skull two weeks ago, was released from Jacoby Medical Center to a round of applause. Police have arrested two suspects wanted for the beating, one who was 16 years old. Cops are still searching for two more suspects. New York officials are breaking ground on the first phase of Terminal 1 at JFK Airport. Governor Hochul says the more than 2 million square foot terminal will be completed in two phases and feature 23 new gates, large windows, and locally sourced art. It will be the largest freestanding terminal in the country and will create 10,000 jobs. The $9.5 billion project is privately funded in part by basketball legend Magic Johnson. Johnson is excited about what it will do for the local economy, like awarding at least 30% of contracts to minority and women-owned businesses. The New Jersey Attorney General's office is leading an investigation regarding a deadly police-involved shooting. Police responded to a stabbing at a home in Englewood just after 8 a.m. Saturday morning. They encountered three people with stab wounds and a 22-year-old who was allegedly holding a knife. According to reports, one officer tried to tase the suspect while another fired her weapon, striking him. He died at the hospital while three of his stabbing victims were treated and released. Somerset County opened its first monkeypox vaccination clinic on Friday. The first dose of the vaccine series was set to be administered at the health department on Warren Street in Somerville from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Commissioner Doug Singletary says the risk of contracting monkeypox in Somerset is still low, but high-risk residents are encouraged to get the vaccine. Appointments should be secured ahead of time on the county's website. So far, New Jersey has reported just over 560 confirmed monkeypox cases. A 34-year-old driver from Glassboro was killed after his car rear-ended a garbage truck on Tuesday in Gloucester Township. Neither the driver of the truck or the employee with him were injured. New Jersey is creating a trail to commemorate black history across the state with a law that Governor Phil Murphy signed on Wednesday. There was a virtual version of this trail in 2021, but the new historical pathway of heritage will be physical with markers that link attractions of cultural significance. The final two concerts of the Philadelphia Orchestra's European tour were canceled following the death of Queen Elizabeth II on Thursday. The Queen's death was announced as audiences were arriving and a tribute in her honor was performed instead. Queen Elizabeth II was the first sitting monarch to visit Philadelphia. I am Carly Murray, and that was the local news. I'm Sam DeTuchis with the Aroma News. This week, Rowan welcomed students back to campus, including the university's largest first-year class of over 2,700 students. Also arriving for the 2022-23 academic year are an estimated 2,000 transfer and international students, including attendees from 22 states and 14 countries. About 500 volunteers, including students, faculty, and staff, helped assure an organized and orderly move-in throughout the weekend. Though he commutes from Washington Township, senior education history major Raymond Wass felt compelled to help some of the new students settle in. He said outside Holly Point Commons, quote, it's not not always easy. I'm here to help students move in, meet people, and start to bond on campus, end quote. 
For first-year student Leah Napoli of Havertown, Pennsylvania, arrival on campus was a family affair as her mother, sister, stepfather, and step-grandfather helped her move in. She said she's most excited to meet people, work hard, and make new friends. Alumna Katie Senio, who graduated in 2014, came out with her husband, a Henry M. Rowan College of Engineering alumnus, their new baby, and her parents to help her brother Ben settle in at Holly Point. Senio said she hardly recognized the university. Her brother Ben Zink of Marlton said he was eager to start both campus life and his studies in psychology. He said, quote, I'm super excited. This place has so many opportunities and I'm looking forward to jumping right in, end quote. After a busy move-in weekend, the class had the opportunity to celebrate together at the President's Welcome and Picnic, a Rowan tradition. Led by Vice President of Student Life and the Dean of Students, Kevin Kett, Student Government Association President Paige Bathurst, freshman Jude Vernamonti, and a powerful drumline, students paraded through Bunt's Arch onto the iconic University Green. There, they were greeted by Hushmond, Kett, and Bathurst, who passed the university's Torch of Knowledge to Vernamonti. The Torch of Knowledge is one of Rowan's longest traditions. Each year, the torch is passed from the SGA president to a member of the freshman class. The torch's flame represents the passion for education new students will need to be successful at Rowan and in the future. Also during the ceremony, Bathurst thanked Hushmond for his leadership, commemorating his 10th year as president with a special Rowan t-shirt. In her address to the new class, Bathurst told them they will have support from peers and staff as they attend Rowan and urge them to get involved. Rowan's fall semester began on Tuesday, September 6th, and students have much to look forward to this semester. I'm Sam Deschuchis, and that was your Rowan News. That does it for the first half of the Rowan Report, wrapping up this week's national, international, and local news. We are going to take a quick break. Up next, we have your weekly sports, business, and entertainment news. Stay tuned right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to the Rowan Report. I'm Allie Bruce, along with the Rowan Radio News team. This is Danny Ryan for the Rowan Report with your news from around the professional sports world. Starting with the NBA, there are some late offseason transactions to fill you in on ahead of NBA training camp. Starting off on a smaller note, the local Philadelphia 76ers have found their backup big man as the organization signed the 2026 Man of the Year, center Montrez Harrell. The team announced Wednesday that they had signed Harrell to a two-year $5.2 million contract to back up star center Joel Embiid. Between draft day trades and the rest of the NBA offseason, the 76ers have added power forward P.J. Tucker, shooting guard DeAnthony Melton, center Montrez Harrell, and guard Daniel House Jr. to solidify their roster. Expect Philadelphia to compete with Boston, Milwaukee, and Cleveland for the top spot in the East. Speaking of Cleveland, the Cavaliers significantly increased their chances at an NBA championship last Thursday afternoon as the team acquired three-time All-Star shooting guard Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz. In return, the Jazz acquired Laurie Markkinen, Ochai Agbaji, and Colin Sexton, along with three unprotected first-round picks, with pick swaps included in 2026 and 2028. With this acquisition, the Cavaliers bolstered their lineup in a huge way, with a starting lineup now of Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Isaac Okoro, Evan Mobley, and center Jarrett Allen, with Karis LeVert and Kevin Love coming off the bench. Some analysts have said that the team is lining up perfectly for a certain 39-year-old small forward by the name of LeBron James come 2024, with their weakness being small forward at the moment. Switching from the NBA to the MLB, let's check in on the standings from around the league as we enter the final weeks of September before the postseason. Starting with the National League East, the Mets have begun their late-season collapse early this year as the Atlanta Braves are officially within a half game of the division lead at the start of September. 
Both teams have a substantial 11-game lead on the third-place Philadelphia Phillies, so they'll have to battle it out against themselves for the NL East crown. Checking in on the NL Central, the Cardinals still hold a firm lead in the Central with a a 9.5-game lead over the rival Brewers. And last but not least for the NL, let's check in on the NL West. Yep. The Dodgers are still dominating, commanding a firm 19-game lead over the second-place San Diego Padres. Closing things out with the American League standings, checking in on the AL East, the Yankees currently hold a slim five-game lead over the second-place Tampa Bay Rays. The Yankees sit at 83-54, while the Rays come in at 77-58, with the Blue Jays not far behind them, just six and a half back of the first-place lead at 76-60. Checking in on the AL Central, the Guardians have a slim two-game lead over the Twins and White Sox in the AL AL Central, as it's going to come down to probably the final day of the season to decide that division. And finally, checking in on the AL West, that's very similar to the NL West. It's being purely dominated by a juggernaut squad, and that juggernaut squad is the Houston Astros. They sit at 88 and 49 at the time of this recording and are 11 games up on the second place Seattle Mariners. Once again, this has been Danny Ryan for the Rowan Report with your news from around the professional sports world. Megan Steckler with your Roan Report business update. Target CEO Brian Cornell will stay with the company for at least three more years. It's all due to the board of directors of the Minneapolis-based company deciding to eliminate its retirement policy of leaving at 65 years of age. The retailer also announced executive vice president Arthur Valdez will step down. He'll be succeeded by senior vice president Gretchen McCarthy. A top Federal Reserve official is speaking on inflation. Lisa Taylor has more. We are in this for as long as it takes to get inflation down. That's what Lael Brainerd, vice chair of the Federal Reserve, said ahead of a meeting later this month that could result in yet another interest rate hike. Brainerd did say more increases were ahead as the fight against inflation goes on. She said low-income households are especially feeling the pain from higher prices. I'm Lisa Taylor. Wall Street is opening with stocks higher as it looks to snap a three-week losing skid. All three major indexes closed out their third straight negative week in a row last Friday. This week, investors will look ahead to speeches from the Federal Reserve presidents and a rate hike decision that's due out this week from the European Central Bank. At the opening bell, the Dow Jones Industrial Average and the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq were all trading higher. Tobacco company Juul is shelling out nearly half a billion dollars for marketing its vaping products to teens. Juul agreed to pay over $438 million as part of a settlement with 34 states. The settlement also forces the e-cigarette manufacturer to comply with strict terms that severely limit the company's marketing and sales practices. Earlier this year, the FDA removed Juul products from the U.S. market. This comes as traditional smoking among youth is down, but vaping has skyrocketed. In 2019, the National Youth Tobacco Survey found over 5 million young people reported they used an e-cigarette in the past 30 days. That's up from 3.6 million in 2018. I'm Megan Steckler, and this has been your Business News Report. And now it's time for your weekly entertainment recap with me, Karina Cologne. Justin Bieber is suspending his world tour. His Justice World Tour began in March and the 70 remaining shows scheduled through March 2023 will be postponed indefinitely. Bieber explained in an official announcement that exhaustion overtook him after performing in Brazil and he intended to take time off to prioritize his physical health. 
Earlier this year, Bieber took a break from touring after being diagnosed with Ramsey Hunt syndrome, which caused part of his face to become paralyzed. There's no word on if or when the shows will be rescheduled. The Weeknd is planning another show in Los Angeles after suddenly canceling his recent sold-out performance at SoFi Stadium. The pop superstar canceled last Saturday's concert just three songs into his set after losing his voice. The Weeknd says doctors have advised him his voice is safe with rest, and he'll return to his tour in Toronto later this month. Jennifer Lawrence is slamming Hollywood's gender pay gap. The Oscar-winning actress is one of the highest paid in the world, but she still pays much less than her male co-stars. In a recent interview with Vogue, Lawrence explained that the gap exists no matter what she does. Research has also shown that female actresses over 50 and women of color are paid even less than their younger, white counterparts. Lawrence went on to say that questioning unequal pay is also extremely uncomfortable, and women are told pay differences aren't due to gender, but the real reasoning is never explained. The South Korean government will not be holding a public poll concerning BTS's potential exemption from military service. Korea's defense minister first proposed the idea during a parliamentary hearing last week. All able-bodied men in South Korea are required to complete 18 months of military service by age 28. BTS was awarded a two-year deferment in 2020, but with the oldest member turning 30 in December, the question is once again on the table. Their label has previously said that all members will serve in the military, but a decision on what that service will look like remains unclear. The owner of Regal Cinemas is filing for bankruptcy. On Wednesday, Cineworld filed for Chapter 11 protection in bankruptcy court, saying the company plans to cut costs by renegotiating how much it pays in rent for theaters. Subpar movie attendance during the pandemic played a large part in the decline of Regal Cinemas, and theaters found people have yet to return in mass since restrictions have been lifted. Cineworld reported a $656 million loss, but despite falling numbers, they plan to emerge from bankruptcy by next year. Former President Barack Obama is among the winners of Saturday's 2022 Creative Arts Emmy Awards ceremony at the Microsoft Theater in Los Angeles. Obama won for Outstanding Narrator for the five-part Netflix documentary series Our Great National Parks. Obama is now one of two presidents to win an Emmy, joining Dwight D. Eisenhower, who won an award in 1956. I'm Karina Colon, and this has been your weekly entertainment recap here on Rowan Radio. And that wraps up this week's edition of the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. For the Rowan Radio News Team, I'm Allie Bruce. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. Be sure to join us every Saturday morning at 9.30 for another edition of The Rowan Report, exclusively here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM.